This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. I'm your host, Scott Greenberg. In this episode, I chat with Lucas Paya, the former wine and beverage director for Jose Andres Think Food Group, where he was responsible for overseeing the wine and beverage program for all 15 of Jose's restaurants in the United States and abroad. But now in this new role, Lucas has demonstrated a genuine passion for sherry, consistently promoting the sherry by the glass offerings and education. And I'm very excited to learn more about sherry myself. In 2016, as a matter of fact, Lucas was appointed to the House of Lustau, U.S. national brand educator. And he's been very instrumental in educating both consumers and the trade on the versatility and full range of premium sherries. Lucas, welcome to the Vine Guy podcast. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. So, Lucas, I understand that everybody starts their journey on the wine road somewhere, but you actually started at a very, very early age by inheriting your father's love of great wine. Correct. I was uh, I was born in Barcelona. You know, my dad uh, loves wine and restaurants and all that. I went to this uh, restaurant and hospitality school, and when I was around twenty years old, I I did some cooking and and, and serving and all that and managing a restaurant. And all, they also had um, a two-year course, um, which was all on wine. Uh, back in the day, we didn't have anything like WCT or court uh, master sommelier uh, programs in, in Spain. So this was the, you know, maybe the only thing uh, that we had available, uh, backed, supported by the University of Toulouse. And as I was saying, I did two years and I became a sommelier by the school. And from that point, I've been I've been working in wine since I was uh, you know uh, 22 years old. Res- oh. Restaurants, um, buying um, hotels, you know, um, working on the floor, uh, more, more on the on the buying um, side. But I, I've also uh, worked for for importers and things like that. Yeah, but um, you've also worked for somebody pretty famous, it, right? So in 2002, you joined El Bulli. I did. Which, come on, I mean, for people who don't know, just spend a minute on what El Bulli is and, and who Chef Ferran... Ferran Adria, yes. Yeah. Um, well, Bulli was um, considered the, to some people, it's still the best restaurant in the world. The thing is that um, uh, they closed uh, uh, in 2011, so... And I heard that there was a, a, you know, a cry that could be heard around the world yes. when it was announced that it was closing. <laughs> yes, the, the problem was that um, only a few people could... Uh, Ever go there because the demand was huge and the offer was pretty pretty small. Um, they say about two million people wanted to go there yeah. yearly, yeah. and only about seven seven thousand seats were available per year. And in, in any given re- season, right? I tried. You did. I, yeah, I was just going to go. Like if I got a reservation, I was just going to go. You didn't call me. I didn't know you. <laughs> 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 okay, I'm going to go back in time and call you, and then I'm going to go to El Bulli. <laughs> a very special restaurant because uh, was the one that really advocated, um, you know, stood behind the avant-garde cuisine. Right. Uh, Ferran was, uh, you know, and he is still a big believer of uh, we should be questioning pretty much everything we do as far as uh, dining or eating or cooking. So very special menu, very special cuisine. Um, very special preparation. Very, uh, very unique preparations and presentation. Very long menus, you know, 30, 40 courses, uh, some of them smaller, some of them larger, uh, in, in a 
progression, you know, from, let's say, you know, appetizers right. to, to desserts. Uh, about four hour experience and only about 50 people a day. Um, so that must have been an interesting introduction, I think, for you into the, well, actually, I don't know. Did you, what did you, where do you go from there? That, well, that wasn't my first job because that would have been crazy. Yeah, well, no. It was already crazy because I was quite young and the responsibility was enormous. So, you know, I have to say that I was stressed for for some <laughs> for some days, uh, for sure. So, uh, before that, I was working uh, in wine, in, in restaurants in, in London and also in Barcelona. So, that wasn't my first uh, sommelier job. But I was, again, I was quite, quite young. I spent uh, five years working in El Bulli. And it was a tremendous experience because of um, the complexity of the menu, the size of the cellar, you know, that the, the restaurant had, and how you you would combine, you know, that avant-garde, very creative uh, setting and presentation with um, some of the most classic wines from from the world. Is that where you fell in love with Sherry? Y- yes. Well, Jerez was the first um, region that I uh, officially. Uh, visited once I became uh, a sommelier. Uh, after that, I did that course in Barcelona. Uh, I think I finished, uh, I graduated from that course in 1999. So that same year, two two friends and, and myself, we decided to visit Jerez. And that was the first uh, wine region that we did, that, that we visited. So after that, I went to work in other you know, restaurants, and, and then I went to London. I, I worked for Chef Alain uh, Ducasse in, in uh, London yep. uh, for another year. And then I went, uh, finally went to, to El Bulli. And then El Bulli had one of the most impressive uh, Jerez selections back in the day. I'm talking about 2002, which is when I started there. The restaurant had a, a great list way before, but that was when I, when I started. And Julie Soleil, who was Ferran's partner, Actually, the person who brought Ferran to El Bulli and kind of like asked Ferran to stay there and become the, the, the chef. The legend that he did. And the legend. So, Julius Le, who was a little older, he suddenly passed away uh, a few years ago. But he was a little older than Ferran, and he was a, a really phenomenal wine connoisseur. And he, he had um, built this amazing wine cellar. And among Julie's favorite regions, no question, was Jerez, uh, Burgundy, uh, Piedmont, you know, Priorat, Rioja. Right. All Jerez, famous. Jerez was, uh, I would say, top top three for sure. I should probably tell our listeners the way that you're pronouncing it, right? But it's actually spelled J-E-R-E-Z. Correct. But you say it. Jerez. Jerez. Yeah. Jerez right. or Sherry. I mean, you can yeah. either way, it's, uh, you know, one, it's, it's the term for, you know. Referring to the the city, the, the capital city in the region, and also the the wine region itself. So uh, Julie was a, a, a tremendous supporter uh, of, Big of those wines, and I have to say that in the most avant-garde restaurant in the world, where you were enjoying these crazy preparations from you know by Ferran Adria, every single table, every single customer in El Bulli coming, you know. To experience that four-hour uh, menu was offered either a glass of cava, you know, cava right, br- sure. brut or brut nature, right. or a glass of manzanilla or fino to start off their 
to open up to open up their their appetite you know and be ready for what was coming so out of the most avant-garde restaurant in the world Jerez was a uh, number one character you know Jerez was uh, a very important uh, you know subject that was yes recommended to everyone um, not all the regions were always recommended to everybody but Jerez was absolutely one of them uh, one of the few that were recommended uh, on a daily basis so then after your stint at Abuli you get a phone call or somehow you get recruited to come to the United States and become the wine and beverage director for who is arguably now the most famous chef in the United States so you seem to have a knack for you know working with some of the top I'm, people I'm, in the world I'm a magnet for personalities right. Jose Andres from the Think Food Group uh, and you became responsible really for seeing the overseeing the wine and beverage program at all of his right uh, after five, after five years at El Bulli, I decided that uh, it was time for me to move on, and I asked, "What's next?" Yeah. After working, where, where, what is next? <laughs> after working at the most uh, famous, uh, renowned restaurant uh, in the world, so I said, "I have, I have to do like a big move." And a big move for me was going overseas, you know, and, and, and going somewhere else. And that had to be New York City. So that was a new challenge right. and a big one. So I decided to, you know, leave, leave a bougie and then uh, try to find a job. And I worked I didn't for, think you have to try very hard oh, oh, coming from Abuja. Well, uh, it, it took me a few months, conversations with, with several people, but I finally came across... Uh, this very uh, important guy called Eric Solomon. Yeah. Eric, he's, he's from Charlotte. Yep. Uh, well, he, he's from New York, but he lives in Charlotte. He's one of the you know most uh, renowned um, wine importers when it comes to Spain, for sure, You know, and, and, and Southern Rono, very well known here in the U.S., uh, particularly for his Spanish portfolio. So um, I managed to you know get a job with him uh, living in New York City and also in Boston for one year. That was... Back in 2007, and so I did that, and I was kind of a you know an ambassador to some of the of, of, of the winers from his portfolio. And one day, I went from New York to uh, Washington D.C. Uh, took the train down uh, to meet my friend jo- Jose Andres and some of uh, his employees who used to be co-workers of mine. Back in El Bullo. Back, back in Spain. Jose and Ferran Adria, they, they had a tremendous relationship I'd heard for that. a long time. So some of the people who used to work at El Bulli ended up in Washington, D.C. with Jose. So I wanted to go say hello, and I spent uh, the whole day with Jose and his team. Uh, that was in uh, Christmas, around Christmas 2007. And then we sit down for, for dinner with Jose, and he brings up that he's about to get out of the D.C. area uh, for the first time. He already had like seven or eight yeah. restaurants here. And that he was opening this hotel in Los Angeles. And he asked me if I wanted to help him open the hotel in Los Angeles, the SLS that we finally opened in yep. 2008. So I, I came to Washington, D.C. To, to sell some wine to Jose and his people. I didn't sell a single bottle. <laughs> He sold but, you, <laughs> but I, I, I went. I went back to New York with with pretty much a new a new job because then I I, I resigned from my my work with uh, with Eric and then I started to to work uh, tour opening this 
hotel. So you went to Los Angeles. I went to Los Angeles. That must have been a culture shock. Absolutely. And and I mean, coming from Spain to New York is one thing, but then going from New York to L.A., that's that must have been can, pretty can, wild. Can I agree more with you? I mean, the difference between New York and Los Angeles is tremendous. It's like and the difference between uh, sherry and champagne, right? Pretty different. They're both wine. Yes, but let me tell you that there are a lot of connecting points between champagne and sherry. We can talk about that too. Okay. Many, many different things that... Um, I, did, if, I just stumbled if, on if, that. If I was you, just trying to make an analogy between New York and LA. Right, right. <laughs> and a pretty good one, if I may say so. Yeah. Because you know, LA sparkles. Yes. You know, and New York's got sophistication. No offense, LA. <laughs> Still love you. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed my time in LA because it was exotic to me. Oh, yeah. Exotic. I get that. Uh, being from Barcelona, having... Uh, had spent like maybe, you know, just a year in New York uh, and then moving to Los Angeles. It was like, wow, um, this is an incredible city, very different from my hometown. Uh, but I was younger and I was enjoying I was enjoying my work uh, at, at the hotel. Uh, so I became the, the beverage director for that hotel. Uh, I was working for Jose Andres, but I, I, was, I was kind of like focused on that SLS uh, in Beverly Hills. So I was there for three years. And then from there I moved to Las Vegas and then I opened Las Vegas. Was that bizarre? That was that was later. Okay. The, in, and bizarre, by the way, isn't a, it, it's it's a restaurant. <laughs> the, but the bazaar, the bazaar is the restaurant chain. I didn't want to say bizarre like that's weird. It's bizarre the restaurant. Right, right, but. right. Uh, bazaar is this uh, restaurant chain. There are a few across the U.S. The, the first, the very first one ever uh, to open was the one in Los Angeles. Okay. And then when I moved to Las Vegas, I I opened the the Cosmopolitan. The casino oh, okay. with with Haleo and Tina Chilcano in it. In, in the Cosmopolitan. In the, in the Cosmopolitan. Right. I was actually there in November. So, Good job, by the way. Thank you so much. That, that was a long time ago, too. And then as, uh, shortly after I left the, the company, uh, they opened, like three months later, they opened the bazaar uh, a little higher uh, north, uh, if I'm correct, on, on the strip in that other more remote area in the SLS Hotel Casino, yep. which is, uh, you know... Uh, a few blocks away from from the cosmopolitan. Uh, Vegas, another year there, and then after Vegas, Jose asked me to come back to DC and establish uh, there to kind of manage everything from the headquarters. Because as you know, he's he's been in DC for a long time, and all his home office and all, all yep. his team is everything, basically yep, working out of, here. out of this. Which uh, is where thing. I met you all those years ago. Correct. was correct. when you came back to D.C. Right, right. right. And that was uh, probably 2011, mm -hmm. I think. And then I was there until 2015. I've been working uh, for uh, working for myself, if you could say. But all that time, though, that you were with Jose, whether it was in Los Angeles or whether it was in Las Vegas and even back here, you were still in love with Sherry. I mean, you were still a huge fan. Correct. An ambassador, correct. if you will, an unofficial ambassador we, of, of Sherry. Yes, yes. Because, again, I mean, uh, that was the first wine region I ever visited. And then uh, all my work through El Bougie before. And then Eric Salmon didn't have any wine from Jerez back in the day. Now he does. Um, Thanks to you. No, I don't think so. But uh, <laughs> he's got a really nice uh, you know, producer. And then, of course... Along the seven years that I worked for Jose Andres, pretty much not all the restaurants, because you know they're all very themed. Right. Many of the restaurants that were offering more Mediterranean cuisine or, you know, you know, 
whatever. Or the Spanish tapas. More Spanish tapas or a small portion. Uh, All of them did and still do show sherry selections. And, and and feature wines by the glass. But that's from, really from your Edith. fingerprint on that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, don't be some shy. Of it, well, yeah. You know. I, I was in the first uh, sommelier employed by Jose Andres, and he's been, um, you know, a restaurant owner for a long time now. Uh, I came I came, I came, came to play a little bit later. But I continued with the, 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 the showing of the importance of a classic wine region like, like Jerez is, for sure. And it gave me the opportunity to to showcase, uh, you know, producers and, and, and different wines from from Jerez. Because the thing with sherry is that, and possibly what makes sherry very special and different from any other wine region is the, the diversity that you can find out of it. Tell me about that. Why is sherry such a special wine region? Uh, because you can have wines on one end of that spectrum that could be maybe the well, very possibly the driest wines you're going to have at that particular occasion. And following that glass, you could have another wine coming from the same region uh, falling on the other end of the spectrum that it could be, could be possibly the sweetest wine you're going to try on that same occasion. So you have a region that covers so much ground as far as styles and type of wine that if if you are to enjoy one Jerez every single day out of the year, you could be pretty much having very different wines. Every single time. Every single time because of the variety that is being produced. Where is the Jerez? Did I say that almost right? Jerez? Yes. Where is the Jerez wine region located in Spain? The southernmost part of the Iberian Peninsula. Okay. So it's south uh, down south in the in the Andalusia community or comunidad autónoma, uh, but it's in Cadiz province, which is the one that uh, kind of bo- uh, borders with with Africa across the Stretch of the Gibraltar. Uh, you have the, the Gibraltar. Uh, Stretch of Gibraltar is, is, I think, at, at its narrowest point, uh, only about nine kilometers, something like that. Okay. Uh, so literally just across the strait, as you, we would say. We would you, call it a strait. Africa is just... You around, could around look the corner, right across. You, you see Africa from Jerez, okay, from from Cadiz and from the area, particularly the, the Atlas Mountain Range, okay. a beautiful one in Morocco. Sure. So, uh, so you can see the Atlas Range in the distance across. In, correct. Fr- across from Jerez. From Jerez. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's a, a low low latitude, you know. Uh, okay. So an extreme wine, a wine region, because of that, uh, you know, latitude being so. Uh, on the border, uh, literally. I mean, you could, you can make wine a little bit farther south, like like Morocco and all the northern northern African countries produce wine, the, the Madeira Island or the Canary Islands. Sure. Uh, but it's a quite extreme uh, latitude uh, as far as wine wine growing and a very very specific climate, very specific uh, grape varieties, and a very specific production method, an aging method. So let's talk about that. How is sherry made, and what grapes? See, this is this is where I want to learn. I know I'm gonna we're gonna talk about the courses that you're gonna be teaching a little bit later on, Fantastic. and I'm gonna be taking one of them. Fantastic. But you know, give us a quick five minute primer on sherry. Like, what grapes are used in sherry? How is sherry made? And I'm sure that I'm asking a very loaded question because I'm sure you there's a lot to it. There is a lot to it. It's the the hardest thing they ever asked me to do in my professional career was to to teach sherry in in only thirty minutes. 
Uh, that's why our, our courses are about two, uh, two and a half hours. But I give you, I'll give you a five-minute background. Sherry is a wine that shows tremendous diversity, for sure, because of the uh, different uh, method, methods of production and also because of three different grape varieties um, the wine is uh, made from. But most of the wines are made from one single grape variety, which is Palomino. Palomino Fino. Palomino. Yes. Okay. And then the other two, which are Moscatel and Pedro Jimenez, Moscatel de Alexandria and Pedro Jimenez, those are more to produce seed wine, uh, sweet wines. Okay. Uh, these are wines and sweet wines. But um, the production of those is quite, quite small. Palomino is the, the Palomino main one. The, the, the virtual queen of the region, okay. uh, producing, I mean, covering pretty much 95 plus percent of, of the vineyard surface. Okay. The thing with Jerez is that it's one of those 45 wines of the world. Uh, Port, Madeira, Marsala, uh, other the, fam- the famous sweet wines from southern France, or uh, even a, a Muscat from Victoria in, in Australia is considered a classic uh, 45 wine these days, right? So there are other as historic uh, 45 wine regions uh, or 45 and fortified wines, means wines, which uh, involves addition of alcohol sometime oh, I like that idea. in the process. So the wines are fortified by this extra alcohol grape spirit. That is, that is added along the process. The okay. thing with Jerez, and that kind of sets Jerez apart from any other classic 45-1 region. Let's take Poor as an example. Okay. The thing with Jerez, and we, if we compare it with Poor, is that that addition of alcohol, that fortification, only comes to play once the ferment has complete. It's in, done. In Jerez, when okay. it's done. So you're adding alcohol over a dry wine. So you've made a still dry wine. Correct. Okay. And then you add alcohol to it. Right. The sweet wines from Jerez are the exception, but there's a very small portion of that produced. I always thought all sherries were sweet. Correct. Let me get to that. Port, on the other hand, you are alcohol after two or three days of extraction and maceration of the, of the red grapes. Okay. And you actually arrest the ferment. By uh-huh. the addition of alcohol and pour by nature is a sweet wine. In the case of Jerez, for the majority of the production, the wine is dry or bone dry after being fortified. The mm-hmm. thing with Jerez is that, oh, I try a lot of sweeter Jerez's. And yeah. yes, that's true. A lot of sweeter Jerez is being produced when at the end of the process, typically at the end of the aging, maybe 5, 10, 15 years later, some producers decide because of they have certain demand, they decide to add a little bit of sweet wine into this balance of very dry or bone dry wines. Okay. And that's what it's called the blend category in Jerez. And those are the sweeter wines that we... That I associate. We associate yeah. with, with, with certain profile of consumer, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, still accounting for 50% of the global sales. So, yes, a lot of sweeter Jerez is being made and consumed still today. But a lot of uh, the, the original wines being produced are all dry or dry. And it's only at wow, the very is, end of the process cool. that they, some of them decide to make sweeter Jerez and add a little bit that's of... that's afterwards. Correct. Most of the sherries are bone dry. Correct. Uh, by Pal- uh, this is fantastic from, from Palomino. I can't wait to take and, this course now. And, and then and then some some decide to make sweeter sweeter wines with addition of of these uh, sweeter uh, sweeter you know sweeter blends. And this is usually Palomino grape that we're talking about. And the two wines that I brought today, I they are 100 percent Palomino. Okay, so we're going to get to that, but I want to talk a little bit more 
about now your role in the world of Sherry, and particularly with Lustau. Lustau. Yep. Yes. And you're now the brand ambassador with Lustau. Yes, uh, the educator. They. Yeah, educator. They call, they call me. But it's it's gone beyond that because I understand that you actually even have created a courses. We um, we got with Lustau. Uh, I've been I've been collaborating with that winery in particular for a long time, maybe six years now. And now uh, when I when I left Jose Andres, uh, we that was two thousand fifteen ish. Exactly. We we started a a, a more intense uh, work together, and we saw that uh, there was a niche or a need uh, in this market for for some education that uh, you couldn't find any any program or I mean um, schools wine schools have been teaching. Uh, headed for for forever, but uh, you couldn't find any more like uh, precisely focusing on on the region, and obviously you couldn't find anything uh, official. Uh, so what we did is we went to talk to the Consejo Regulador, which is the regu- regulatory body, the Sherry Council in Jerez, and uh, offered them a collaboration um, between between Lustau and myself and them to create a program. That would uh, carry uh, some certification. So everything we do is with the approval from the Consejo Regulador, and whenever you pass this test, you you're getting a certificate that is signed by the Sherry Council. So it's 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 the only certification for the wines for from this region outside of Spain. Wow! And we've been doing this for in the U.S. and and Canada for uh, four years now. And we certified uh, about 3,200 people so far, about 1,000 people uh, a year. Soon to be 3,201. Uh, which will be you. Which will be me. Yeah. I'm very excited about this. I really I thought, in preparation for our interview, I, I looked this all up, and I found out that there's actually, you're offering it three times here locally in Correct. the D.C. area. Correct. And uh, I've already signed up we, for one. We offer these classes um, through... The House of Lustau distributors uh, in the U.S. Uh, in its market, but also through the some of the most prominent wine schools in the country, and here in Washington D.C., which is where I live, by the way, we we've been giving these classes out of Capital Wine School, which is literally like three blo- blocks right. away from where very we are close to where we're sitting right now. Right now, yeah. and and as you as you well said, this year, two thousand. We're going to be uh, giving three classes. Uh, first one will be um, locally here. You're giving lo- a lot local, of classes locally. everywhere. Yes, because uh, in order to, to I teach, saw your travel to, schedule. To, in order to teach a thousand people a year, you you have to travel a lot uh, back and forth. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm visiting a lot of a lot of states in the U.S. Actually, I, I'm, I think I'm only missing about ten wow. out of the fifty. Uh, so I've been to to many of the different corners of right. of the country. Well, I can't wait for you to go to Portland, Oregon, because as I told you before, you know, when we were setting up the podcast, I told you that my son is now mm-hmm. working at a tapas bar yep. in um, Portland, and he's got to learn a lot about sherry in right. a very short time. We, so. we we have a partner school there, and I've taught I think maybe six or seven classes in in, be great. in Oregon so far, and I'm I'm due for Portland again, so I should be going back um, sometime this this year. Good. I, I can't wait to, to, to meet your he's, son. He's great, and he's enthusiastic about Sherry. But you're not just doing the the CSWS courses. CSWS. You actually are taking this 
one step further. Yes. What's new for this year? This year we we launched a, a blog. Um, it was it was second half of last year, but uh, going strong this this year for sure, which is. Uh, SherryJourney.com. SherryJourney.com. Yes. Okay. And there we explain a lot of the work that we've uh, we've done for the for the last for over the last four four or five years with with Lustau. We've done uh, five different videos with chefs, again from different cities. The one in in DC uh, two years ago was uh, filmed with Katsuya, Chef Katsuya, oh, yeah. uh, ramen, and we were doing Japanese and and ramen with with Jerez. By the way, there is nothing better to have with ramen than a wine like this. I'm going to try it. Maybe we can go together. Okay. I, I love his cooking. So, so um, he's, he's great. We, we've done these videos with with different chefs. So I assume that, by the way, just to interrupt, I do assume that you knew him back at. Mini, Correct. We we worked. Uh, yeah, yeah. We worked yeah. Uh, under Jose's uh, supervision yeah, so, together. Hey, everything goes back to Jose. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and Ferran Adrián. <laughs> Uh, so we have ramen and it's ramen and sherry. Ramen and sherry. That's what I'm taking away from this. Forget about the beer. Yeah, it, it, it fills, fills you up, right? All right. And, yeah. Uh, I, I, the last thing I need is it, be filled up. It's a bowl of, of broth and you know noodles and, noodles and, uh, and now we're gonna do it with. Okay, this is great. That's safety. That's the pro tip now. Takeaway from this podcast is sherry and ramen. Sherry and ramen. So uh, <laughs> visit uh, sherryjourney.com and you you'll be able to find that video there. Uh, along with many other posts that we uh, put up, um, you know, monthly uh, interviews, um, other pairings, you know, more more house um, house driven, if you will, or, or easy to do, um, you know, pairing experience uh, at home with with Jerez things and, that you can do and, at and, home and with very, Sherry and very and very mainstream, well known products that you can I'm gonna, find. I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. Right. What's if I'm at home, and I know there's a lot of different styles of sherry, but right. give me one example of what's the one thing I could do at home w- with sherry. You like peanut butter? I love peanut butter. Peanut butter and a, sweet, no. a sweeter cream. Really? Would be a 10-minute, uh, absolutely culinary, amazing experience that you can have at home uh, very easily. Uh, you like olives? I love olives. Olives and... Spanish, green olives. Some fino, manzanilla. Okay. Fantastic. I will try to successfully pair every single ingredient that I can take out of your fridge. With sherry. With Jerez. With a sherry. And I have a, a chance to to pull this off. Okay, come on over. Less. You haven't seen my fridge, Be- but... Because, because <laughs> Jerez is the most versatile wine when it comes to drinking that with food. I have the most versatile fridge. And that will be <laughs> my biggest challenge so far. You know what? We're going to actually film an episode we're gonna do this. at my house. <laughs> and I'm going to make you open my fridge. Is this crazy? <laughs> this is crazy. I'm going to make you do it, though. And then you guys can see this on the blog on Sherry Journey. I can Stress enough. Challenge accepted. Can't stress enough uh, when I'm saying that this is the ultimate uh, food and wine, wine, Jerez. So uh, beautiful wines by themselves, yeah. but when you have them with food, wow. Well, I am excited everything, to try these. Shines. But before we do, I just want to ask you one other quick question about the advanced, the advanced. that's coming out. Correct. That's pretty exciting. Yes. The After three years of CSWS, which is the Certified Sherry Wine Specialist Course, and after more than 3,000 people certified 
from from that program. And after receiving a lot of uh, input from our uh, graduates, uh, we we tried to set this you know communication with anyone who's uh, come to the the classes. Uh, we we saw there was a, a demand you know for for something else. Like a lot of them were asking, well, what what's next? I mean, I'm a CSWS graduate now. Yeah. Uh, what else can I do? There is a the, the ultimate Sherry course uh, is what is being offered in Jerez by the Consejo Regulador twice a year, uh, one in Spanish, one in English, for only about 20, 25 people. So very small, very few people. Very small, uh, very difficult to, to get a seat in, and highly in demand and, 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 and again, very limited. So that's one thing that requires that you you get on a plane and 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 travel all the way across the ocean to to fly into Jerez and then spend three days there with the consejo. So basically a, a week. That's a commitment. A, a week commitment. So that's to become a certified Sherry educator, which is something that I did a, a few years ago. So we, we thought, well, we have the introduction, which is the CSWS. Uh, let's do something in between. And right. kind of like stepping stone to whoever wants to go and spend three days in Jerez and become, and become an, an educator. Ed- an educator. Right. So for the first time ever, we're launching the CSWS Advanced level. And it will be only held twice a year. Here in the United States? Here in the United States. Okay. Everything was accor- goes according, according to plan. The one in the spring will be out of Napa. Oh, cool. Uh, we have a wonderful uh, school partner there, which is the Napa Valley One Academy. And yes, we're, it is. They're wonderful. And we're doing this at the CIA uh, facilities in, in Napa. Culinary Institute of America, not the Central Intelligence Agency. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> we are in Washington, D.C. We yes, have to clarify yeah, the be, CIA. It's confusing, yes. yes. Uh, so with the Culinary Institute of America, with the Napa Valley One Academy, we're going to be um, you know, doing this uh, advanced level, actually on April 20th this year. Okay. And then our idea is to offer the <gasps> same thing. Okay, I'm not making this up. I'm actually going to be out there. I actually am going to be in Napa on April it, 20th. Uh, yeah, we'll talk later. Oh, my God. Okay. So I'm I'm going I'm coming to your house. <laughs> That's right. You're filming an <laughs> I'm, episode I'm messi- I'm in my up, refrigerator. I'm messing up your fridge, <laughs> and I'm going to see you at the events. Yeah, that might be pretty cool. Wow, we'll have to see if we can make it work. I'm glad I came. All right. Uh, so and then the idea is to do the same thing uh, once again, so twice twice a year, yeah. but on the East Coast. Okay. New New York City. Okay. Is, is our goal. We're working on that. But the advance will be a little different from the regular CSWS because the CSWS is only about two, two and a half hours with a, with a 28 question test right. at the end. The advanced will be uh, a full day commitment, okay. um, will be about maybe six or seven hours. And we're bringing top notch, world class speakers to wow. back the program and to you know teach uh, some of the topics, but in a deeper way and we'll have beautiful things like like i hope surprising things like um, a blind tasting contest and then we'll be touching up on you know the the basics viticulture winemaking aging uh new trends cocktail making food and wine pairing that's right sherry lends itself to cocktails uh, as well right Uh, but all in, in a deeper version than the one from the regular CSWS. Right. So that will be the advanced. Well, baby steps. First, I have to take the 
CSWS. You do, because the advanced will be only available to those CSWS graduates. Right. So it's it's a it's a requirement right. to become a CSWS graduate because you, before you can sign up for the advanced. It it all lines up correctly. It'll yeah. be perfect. My God. Let's see if we can make this work. My lucky day. Well, here's my favorite part of the show. We get to now taste the sherries, and I'm really excited about this. This is going to be great. So tell me about the first now. Two very different styles. I'm just looking at the glasses, by the way. One is you know what I would consider kind of a pale gold color and one yes. is a very dark amber looking yes. color. Yes. So tell me about the the first wine. We're going to try the one on the left. Afino from El Puerto, which is one of the three towns where you're supposed to age the wines. Okay. So they become Jerez officially. One of the cities is Jerez itself. The other one is Man, uh, San Lucas de Barrameda, where Manzanilla is being produced. And the third one is El Puerto de Santa Maria. And the three make up the famous triangle, right? So this is um, one of the two cities that um, lies um, along the coast, so with a lot of ocean influence. And in this case, we have a fino from there. Mm -hmm. a What's a, what is a fino? A fino from El Puerto. A fino is a wine that is um, mm. from Palomino. Wow. Uh, but that is uh, being aged under the influence of uh, the famous floor yeast. So this is considered a wine aged under biological conditions. So this is a biological wine because the wine stays under the influence of that yeast, that layer of, um, you know, floor uh, that sits on top of the surface. Uh, comparing champagne, uh, yeah. champagne is a wine that is also, right. you know, in contact with yeast for right. for, for a, a, a good time. Uh, period but that's time. on the bottom. Right. Uh, in this case, you also have some yeast, like more dead yeast on the bottom of the barrels. But um, the, the so, really important one is the, the one sitting on top. Okay, so let me, I don't, I'm, again, I'm speaking a little bit from ignorance here. So the sherry wine is made with a yeast cap? Correct. For lack of a better description? Correct. A, a film, a, okay. a veil. A veil. A veil of, okay. of, of yeast that, that sits on top of the wine. Magically just show up no. in the region. So this is one of the uniqueness of Jerez. You have a wine that is only fortified up to uh, 15%, as uh, Finos are. Okay. And at this 15-ish uh, percent of alcohol, that's the ideal environment for this floor yeast to thrive. Okay. So these wines that are sitting in this cask, shortly after they're put in cask, even in tank before, but these wines at this around 15% percent as ABV will be showing, you know, this layer of yeast only after a few days. They they will be um, they will be uh, covered by this local indigenous yeast. And it just happens. Um, and it just happens. And the yeast, if you if you do it properly, will stay on top of these wines for potentially a long time. Uh, like in this case, this Fino is a five year old average Everything is average here because there's, uh -huh. there's a lot of blending throughout the process. Okay. So there's no vintage sherry. So this is not a, much. Okay. It's all a blend. Like of, more like a Solera kind correct. of a concept? It's, it's, it's a Solera aging. So everything is kind of like a, an average calculation of, of, of age. In this case, five years under the influence of this floor yeast. And what the floor does is, of course, exchanging attributes with the wine right. and transforming these wines into this very unique 
phenols and manzanillas. And what the floor does among some of these things is, is to protect the wine from the oxygen. And that's why you have a wine, compared to wine number two, that is completely pale. And kind, of, of and, the, kind of, and kind of reductive on the so, nose. So, it, yeah, it is a little, because, a little reductive on the, the nose. But The floor protected the wine in that barrel for five years from any oxidation. So here's something kind of weird that I noticed about putting this wine in my mouth, right? Um, I was not hungry at all when, mm-hmm. when we sat down. Mm-hmm. And I, I put this wine in my mouth. Now I'm hungry. What? It's lunchtime right it's now. Like, <laughs> but it's bizarre. I'd, I've already eaten. I'm not hungry at all. But oh. this just feels like... My palate has opened Sa- up. Savoriness. It's savoriness. Right. What would you pair this with uh, this, in my refrigerator? This is a. This is a <laughs> <laughs> I have to open your fridge first, but uh, um, what would, this, yeah. this is this is some of the driest wines you can you can find. Um, it's bone dry uh, and it's delicious. I'm ever. just curious, like, what um, would you serve this with? This this will be ideal with uh, some of your appetizers. You know, your starters, or you know, the, the first thing you you feel you you think of, of of eating, and that could be like some some snacks like. You know, olives or uh, anchovies, or you know, some some oysters or, or sushi or you know, any seafood. I was like uh, anything, like a, anything, anything deep fried. Right. I was just thinking like fried little fried anchovies. Oh my god, that would be that would be just amazing with yes. this. Anything, anything savory, anything crisp. Thing like from from the ocean, of course. Yeah. And and this many, does have many, a touch of salinity in it. it by correct, the way. correct. This this wine wines from El Puerto. They all show because the, mm. the water is so close. Uh, they all show these almost uh, seaweed oyster yeah, shell. Kind of that I- iodine. That oyster, right, iodine. Iodine. Um, there is there is a term they use here to refer to these wines mm-hmm. locally. Which is, they they say wines from El Puerto they have this this aroma of uh, bajamar. Bajamar. Beautiful word, eh? bajamar. Mar, which, which ocean or sea. Lows. Uh, Baja. Low tide. Oh, uh, low tide. Translates into low tide. Bajamar. The ocean goes out. Very right. dramatically here, big time, and you you have these these fresh new beaches, you know, that are yeah. you know very very prominent as far as you know aroma and, right. and 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 presence, of course. And when you walk those, and you have that oyster shell, iodine, you know, yeah, it's in low there. tide, you you can find some of that out of this. Yeah. Ones. Even even Interesting. some some petrol notes, uh, ones with a lot of lot of character character, ultra dry, uh, because Absolutely. the floor keeps eating the sugars, and the sugars are low because the fortification, again, of course, once you have a dry base wine. So very low glycerin levels, very sharp. It is. Uh, very Not astringent, though. No, 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 lively, light. Yeah. Uh, no no roundness from glycerin, and then very dry because of the lack of, of sugar being under one liter, uh, one gram per liter. So one one end of the spectrum, we could say. Huh? One, so mine's almost gone. One one type one type of <laughs> let me let me. That's up. just because it's really. I don't want to say it's like licking an oyster shell, but mm-hmm. it sort of has that very so, um, sharp. Yes, sharp savory savory note to um, it. Yeah. Yeasty too. A little bit. A little um, bit. Yeah. Some flour. Almost like a little, little nutty on uh, the very very nutty, back end. Uh, like white fri- fresh almonds yeah. is classic in these wines, you know. That's um, really cool. And then, but with a lot of intensity. Mm-hmm. So a serious, a very serious wine for, for, oh, man. for not a lot of money. Let me tell you, that's the other thing that um, we have to say about Jerez yeah. is that um, it's probably the most underrated wine in, in the world. So so affordable prices, a lot of 
of quality and intensity for sure and uniqueness. Uh, now, yeah. compa comparing okay. wine number one with... And, and again, tell us what wine we're drinking. What was wine number one? Wine number one was Lustau Puerto Fino. So That's it. And uh, there's uh, no uh, vintage, obviously, because it's a Solera. Uh, a Fino <laughs> aged in El Puerto de Santa Maria, one of the three uh, towns, one of the two coastal towns, uh, made by Lustau, and about a five-year-old average... Uh, can you give me an idea of what this would range if I went to a wine shop and uh, retail? Um, maybe maybe fifteen. No. Uh, maybe seventeen, something like that. Under twenty dollars. Under twenty for that whole bottle, not just the glass. No, no, no. Seven fifty <laughs> ml. Wow. So um, that's a lot of joy. Now, by the way, how long if I were to take it out? And, and do you serve them cold? Yes, yeah, finos typically like white wine. Uh, chilled, maybe a little yes, chilled. Yes. So. Um, how long would a bottle last if I just open it up, had a couple glasses, put recorked? Once it? you open them, yeah, you you want to finish them. Okay, just like eventually. a traditional wine. Correct. Okay, the, the quality will 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 be okay. It's not the compromise. Okay, after. not like port where you can recork it and save it for a couple of days, but you really want to drink some these wines. styles of Jerez because of the you know already oxidation that they we're going to talk, talk about wine number two, which okay. is the opposite. But a wine that is exposed to oxygen, like wine number two, will will hold a little bit better once you open them. But, I mean, don't don't take a whole week to finish a bottle of Jerez right. because it's just a 750. I would yeah, drink, why not? I, I would mean, drink out of Magnum's. Right, I'll just open the fridge and start pairing. <laughs> yes. You will have an opportunity to, to finish those bottles uh, pretty much uh, on any given day. So... So that this, was wine number one. Yes. Wine number two, very different. I mean, right off the bat, the aromas coming out of wine right. number two. Oh, by the way, I should probably mention to our listeners, we're drinking these out of what I would call fortified wine glasses, mm -hmm. right? Sherry glasses. Do you recommend using this style of glass or do you like it, maybe a, a white wine glass or an all-purpose glass? Uh, this is this is a good 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 glass for sure, but it could be larger. And, okay. uh, I thought about it, bringing it, a larger it, glass. It, 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 would, it would benefit um, some of some of the wines um, in in a, in a more greater you know uh, scale. that had a, a little bit bigger surface area. To... Because these these could be very complex wines with a lot of intensity, and, okay. and you may need a, a larger a larger glass. In fact, when we teach the the, the courses, we we always recommend a, a white white wine or red wine. Um, you know, peace stem for okay. for for the the enjoyment of the wines. Then you go to Jerez and you see that the the cellar masters, the capataces, they're assessing those wines out of very small, you know, copitas or sniffers. Copitas? Yeah, sometimes little. little well, we're in a lot of Spanish little, today. Little, little glasses. <laughs> those are ideal for again spotting any problems or, and you imperfections. Know, exactly. But if you are to enjoy, and maybe champagne has a similar issue, if you're one, if you're to enjoy these wines. You want to use uh, possibly larger, oh, make, okay. larger glass. I'll make sure we. Uh, um, wine number two could be the oh, the smells. opposite, the yep. opposite style to wine number one. If we stay within the dry spectrum of the region, okay. Jerez could be the driest wine you try today, but Jerez could also be the sweetest wine you try today. Mm. Uh, the two wines that I brought today are dry. Wow. This is not as dry as one, but it's still a dry wine. That's considered dry? Yes, yes. It's got some RS in it. Oh, sorry, residual sugar somewhere, bit, right? A little bit, but the amount of acidity wow. and the tannin and the extraction uh, from you know 12 years in, a, in, in, in oak uh, makes, makes the wine still feel dry on the palate. 
That's delicious. Um, Does that come this, in a gallon? It's, this is a wine <laughs> that you, you want to drink with savory food again, or salty, right. or salty food. Like ramen. Uh, like ramen, yes. I really like ramen with Olorosos. Uh, so wine number two is an Oloroso. And what does that I, mean? I was saying Oloroso means um, very prominent aromatics. Uh, okay. So, uh, is it made that, in the same way as a Fino? Uh, that's the thing. No, it's actually the opposite um, winemaking process. Because with using the same grape variety as Fino, so Palomino, mm. uh, what you do here when you set apart certain profile of base wines, in this case could be a little bit fuller, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit, yeah. you know, coarser, texture, uh, more phenolic wines, you know. Uh, once you put those uh, on, on the side, with these bigger wines, what you do is you go, when you fortify them, once they're complete and done fermentation, you go a little bit higher and you pour alcohol in there until you reach around... 17% or above, huh? between okay. 17 18%. So not a lot. Alcohol. Still not a lot. Uh, two, two degree difference, right. uh, two point difference yeah. between. Uh, alcohol by volume but, from 15 to maybe but 17. enough, enough to create an environment that is kind of harmful to the yeast. Okay. So yeast are okay around 15%. Right. Yeah, they're happy in there in their playground. Exactly. Yep. Once you go beyond 16, uh, and especially when you reach 17% alcohol, the yeast die off or, the poor don't, yeast. or don't show up. <laughs> right. Don't show up at all. So Olorosos are wines that are exposed to oxygen from day one. That's the color. Fino was protected from the oxygen by the, by the film, the, the veil. Film, the, the veil of yeast. The, yeah. In this case, we don't have that layer of yeast on top, so the wines are, on purpose, exposed to the oxygen, and it's a complete uh, opposite aging method that will, as you can see, right. result in you know difference of color and taste. Right. I'm going to take a picture of those two glasses mm-hmm. and see if we can post them on, on the site because it really is Excellent. dramatic that it's the same grape, mm-hmm. the same wine region, but two very different outcomes and, in the style of these wines. And we are tasting two wines uh, today. Um, Jerez has clearly defined um, around eight styles. So we're missing a lot of different wines and more in between that I could brought too. So well, that means you have to come back. It, to your and, home. And continue to my home. Right. Bring all eight over <laughs> <laughs> for the fridge test. I can do that. Okay. I can certainly do that. But uh, that diversity we were talking about, this is just a, a small example of, of that variety of, of styles because it's only two. But uh, again, we could have 10 different glasses here and, and still see measure differences between them all. So in the case of Oloroso, as you can see, a lot of concentration. Yes. Uh, beautiful. So, first of all, beautiful wine doesn't taste hot at all. So if it's at 17, 18 percent, mm-hmm. the acidity is keeping it in beautiful harmony. Um, what, what, you, what you taste on the palate, that roundness, is because of the uh, extreme amount of not only alcohol, but also glycerin, which also concentrates. Wonderful. So you don't have any glycerin in glass number one. Right. You have tons of glycerin. You do. And that's the almost sweetness from the alcohol. It gives that roundness and that- Correct. Right. And the weight- Especially the weight. So this is a very full-body wine compared to wine number one, which is a, a leaner, sharper wine. Here is robust. Eh? Yeah, a it big, is. A big Jerez. Still dry, but you're not on your anchovies or olives anymore or, 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 or jamón iberico. Maybe you're here with more pork. 
right? Huh? I don't know. Oh. I think that would go great with Iberico ham. That would be, wow. Listen, uh, Iberico, a lot of people, they prefer the Fino style. So yeah. I'm all over the place with Iberico. Any dry Jerez will be fantastic yeah. with it. But a little bigger courses here. Okay. Bigger, bigger dishes. Uh, maybe maybe a, a steak tartare. Oh, uh, seared tuna or, okay. or, or even a um, ribeye. With that uh, one? I, that... Por- pork is usually fantastic with any, any Jerez. Oxtail, you know, or, or pork shoulder, yeah. Yeah. Uh, any stews. Love oxtail stew. Um, um, some, something like ramen, you know, with that pork broth. That would be killer with that. Right. So we're course number three, maybe. Right. So we start here. We may be having a different sherry in between these two. And, and then we, we can have another one or two for, for the next courses. I, I'm going to ask a question I think I know the answer to. Have you done a sherry dinner where you've taken people through a flight of sherries in a progression of courses? This One of, one of the things that I, that I when I have the opportunity, I, I always try to explain is referring back to El Bulli, between 30 and 40 courses, correct? Right. There were occasionally, uh, we had these uh, crazy customers, you know, guests uh, coming in. Uh, there was a lot of debate uh, around what was good to to have to drink at El Bulli because of the uh, enormous complexity and and, and 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 texture and diversity in the in, in the menu, you know, uh, in the dishes and all the preparations. So some people went from champagne. Some people, you know, preferred uh, um, more white wine. Some people say, no, no, I'll have my Priorat from course one. Uh, all over the place, right? right. We, we try to give people the, the, the opportunity to choose whatever they wanted to have um, with the menu because Ferran was kind of like forcing them to eat what Ferran decided on. So they should drink what they wanted. Correct. That was okay. Julie's uh, the always, always idea. Make, make sure that they can, they, they can feel, they can choose uh, their wine. At the end of the day, uh, 95% of them uh, just uh, left the responsibility of, of choosing the wine and in on our shoulders in, in our in the sommelier in the sommelier team, but as I was saying, maybe twice a year we had um, always we would have always these uh, they, they were typically French uh, crazy crazy guests that they had it clear, and they wanted the whole forty course experience with Jerez only. Wow! So we have, you must have been in heaven. We have done in in the past in El Bulli a full menu, and these are the longest menus on earth with Jerez. Only, and that could be probably the most successful food and wine experience out of the year, you know, because of the enormous, you know, the diversity, versatility yeah. Yeah. Uh, of, of the wine. So that, that to me is the ultimate example. If, if you are able to pair an entire bouillie menu with one single region, you are in heaven. Right. So tell us again, what was the second wine? This is the Lustau Oloroso Don Nuno, a 12-year-old average wine. From Palomino, aged in an oxidative style. Huh? So we had uh, an, a biological wine out of glass number one. We have an oxidative oxidative wine in glass number two. This is, Lucas, thank you so much for being here. Thank this is a, absolutely a genuine pleasure to learn about this wine region and taste these wines with you. My pleasure. And I can't wait to take your class. And I can't wait to see you, see you home. That'll do it for this episode of The Vine Guy. This episode was produced by Sarah Beth Hensley. The music you heard is Wishful Thinking by Dan Leibowitz, available in the YouTube audio library. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and catch my Wine of the Week segments every Friday on WTOP and WTOP.com.